0: Kings chapter 7, I believe the Lord has so well-crafted the messages this morning. <clears throat> He's giving you different points, he gave you a great illustration about the dog. And you talk to your dog different too, don't you? You do. When you talk to your dog, uh, I mean, unless you're mad at it, you... Uh, who's a good boy. My daughters have a dog, you're going to the passage there, and uh, <clears throat> I think the thing is like ADHD. <laughs> it's got 80 of them. Anyways, and, uh, but the dog wouldn't listen, so I get this idea that I'm going to make friends with this dog. It's like a, a rat, Pepper, Yorkie Poo. So after a while, Pepper and I, we started developing a little bit of a relationship, Pepper would jump in my lap, and I'd pet it. You know, I figured out, if I just pet that dog every day, just a a little bit on the back there, as soon as I'd sit down, that dog would jump in my lap. (laughs) But, uh, and then uh, I taught that dog that if, uh, I don't know if I taught it, but if you go in the car, you're going to McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> so all I got to say is, you want to go for a ride? And that dog automatically thinks chicken nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if the Lord does that to us sometimes. You want to go for a ride? <laughs> you're thinking three and a half years in the tribulation. <laughs> but anyways, First Kings chapter 7. I want to read one verse here. Bible says here in 1 Kings chapter 7 and verse 51. No, that's not what I want. Maybe it's 2 Kings. I apologize. Is it right? Might help if I get the right chapter. There it is. Bible says here in verse 51 So was ended all the work that King Solomon made for the house of the Lord. And Solomon brought in the things which David, his father, had dedicated, even the silver and the gold and the vessels Did he put among the treasures of the house of the Lord. <clears throat> father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus Christ. Father, I, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ at this moment. Father, so much has been said to challenge my heart. Thank you, Lord, for the hard things. Thank you, Lord, for what you have what you put us through, and what you brought us through. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be here. Thank you, Lord, for good counselors, for good people of God that encourage our hearts. Father, we love you. I pray to you to bless your word in the next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a pathway between here and 1 Kings chapter 7.51. You know what's going on here. The temple is being dedicated, and it has to do with Solomon and David, but I believe there's a pathway, and I'm not going to preach the whole thing, but there's a couple things that come to my mind with this thought about dedication, and uh, as it's been said already, I believe, uh, and I believe when you look at Laodicea, that's a great checkpoint. You, you often have to bring yourself to the point, you've got to realize where you're at in this, in this age that we live in, And when you look as pastors, if you look at your church, sometimes you just got to look at the fact that the Bible's right and people are people. And when it says that we have need of nothing, we often come to church. Or if we don't, it's because we don't think we need anything. But this pathway of dedication, I believe, lies between uh, chapter 3 and all the way here culminating in verse 51. If you go back, I'll just give you a couple of them real quick here. Uh, that have been on my heart. First Kings chapter 5, verse 17. This pathway of dedication, it's very well laid out. But in uh, chapter 5 and verse 17, I want you to see here uh, this pathway to dedication, what it needs. It just simply needs the right foundation. It needs the right foundation. Brother Brown, he got up first thing talking about the fundamentals. And you can't get far from the fundamentals. You can't get far from the basics. And everything he said is absolute truth. But it needs the, the, the right foundation. It needs, it, it, is needed. It says in verse 17, to lay the foundation of the house. Notice here in verse 17, that this foundation in the passage, it's great. That's what the Bible says. It's not only great in size, but it's great in importance. There's nothing greater than our foundation. Well, the Bible says, if the foundation be destroyed, what shall the righteous do. If we're going to be dedicated, if I'm going to be dedicated all the way up in northern Michigan, you can't get there from here, I'm going to have to have that right foundation. It was said about a a fellow who uh, had the opportunity, I think his name was Frank Lloyd Wright. He had the opportunity back in the 60s to build the Imperial Hotel for Tokyo. One of the most uh, places where the most uh, tornadoes, not tornadoes, earthquakes happen. We don't have any up there in northern Michigan, so I get that thing all switched around there. But at any rate, he determined in his studying, and don't miss this because it's not about the mud, he determined in his research and study that 60 feet of mud underneath a solid foundation was what it needed to withstand the weight. So he built that Imperial Hotel, which is now one of the finest hotels there are, on a foundation of 60 feet of mud. Shortly after that uh, hotel was constructed, what happened is they had the greatest earthquake in over 52 years. And all the buildings around that thing collapsed. But the Imperial Hotel stood. It's not about the mud, it's about having the right foundation. Amen. And that thing is great. Not only is it great, but if you look at this in verse 17, notice that foundation is costly. It's costly. Your foundation's costly. You say, well, preacher, what in the world did it cost? Well, it did cost finances. I don't suppose anyone just jumped in a car or a plane and didn't pay a dime to get here. Look, this is part of our foundation. Uh, it was about, what, uh, how many years ago? Been coming here six, six years now? Five, seven? I don't know, a long time. Not long enough, but it has built us. Amen. We look forward to this. Amen. We, I'm telling you what, I don't care how you do it. It's a, I'm sure it's a blessing how you do it anyways, amen. But I tell you, as soon as we get home, we start preparing for next year. You say, what do you do? Cut wood. All year long to come to Jubilee. You say, you must hate, I love cutting wood, man. I'd cut some here, but I mean, it's all standing. <laughs> but it costs. It costs finances. Uh, not only that, but over the years, pastors, uh, for, hasn't it cost friends? had friends today, and you don't have them tomorrow. Friends come and go. Not only finances friends, but you know, it's the last one, family. Hasn't it cost family? To have the right foundation? I'll tell you what, if it hasn't, it will one day. It'll cost. It's the hard things, right? But that foundation, it's great, it's costly. Here's a Here's the thing, notice this in verse 17, that foundation, it's huge. H-E-W-E-D, hewed. Huge. You say, so what? I know, that tells me there's some work put into it. As a young preacher, I'm not really young, but as a younger preacher, often worry about how things look, what they look like, or maybe what I think they should look like. Often wonder why I sometimes fuss about that stuff so much. And you know what the Lord's doing? He's just hewing me out. Yeah, He's just chiseling it here and chiseling it there, and cutting a little bit off this side and cutting a little bit off that side. No, nope, you, you got to work on that. Do this. Do that. So worry so much about how it looks instead of how I am. Amen. I'm telling you what. I'm in the process. I'm in the saddle. And I need to stay there. That foundation is huge. The Bible says in Isaiah 51, one, ye that seek the Lord look unto the rock when she are hewn. Not only has work been put into it, but it still needs more work. Amen? Doesn't your foundation need work? Yeah. Mine does. Every time I think I got it all figured out, well, I ain't got it quite figured out yet. <laughs> it needs more work. <laughs> I just about the time I think, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm proficient at something, something else will come up. Kid song, he's still working on me to make me what I think I ain't. <laughs> We're not as good as we think we are. I worked for a sales supervisor for a number of years. He said this. It's not really inspired, but it's profound. He said, you know what? You're not as good as you think you are. He said, but you're not as bad as everybody tells you you are either. He said, you're somewhere in the middle. The point is, is you're huge. And every once in a while, Lord take that sledgehammer and knock a big old chunk of your rock off, and you're like, but I need that. He's like, no you don't. That's a great foundation. It's costly. It's huge. And in verse 18, you obviously got not only the right foundation, but the right preparation. I don't want to preach that. In 1 uh, Kings chapter 7, if you look there real quick, I just want to mention this real quick and move on. 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 13, I want you to notice this pathway of dedication. It's a, it's a process. It's a process. But here in verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 13, I want you to see that this pathway, it needs the right cooperation. The Bible says, and King Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of Tyre. That's the right help. You're going to have to have the right help. Uh, We live up in northern Michigan and it is, I don't care who you are, how tough you are, it gets lonely up north. It does. I'm glad I got some friends that I can pick up the phone and call. You said, oh, we just thought you were uh, edifying. No, I'm lonely. That's why I call you. And if I don't call you, it's because I'm too busy, my heels are kicking my hind in, amen? But I get lonely. And then by about the time I realized I should have called a friend, they've called me. That's a good friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to show you this. You need the right uh, cooperation. Now, you've got to be singular in your separation. Amen? Okay, well, that went over good. It yeah. Well, it's a good idea. And your personal fellowship. But to get the work of God done, you're going to have to get the right help. And it was back in 2004. T- I, I, let me back up just a second. I'm watching my time here. But this whole thing about uh, getting the right help, the Lord knew that he was going to call me to be a pastor. I never wanted to be a pastor. Uh, I don't think I had the right estimation of what a pastor was. Uh, I just wanted to be that guy that helped, that guy that pushed. I wanted to be the the second fiddle man. I wanted to be the guy that if you're the man, that I'm right in your hip. You know what I mean? I'm shoving you. Uh, kicking you if I got it. But I want to be that guy that push. I'm okay with second fiddle. But the Lord put me in the ministry about 2014. But I think it was about 2000. Where is it? Brother, I was at a meeting at Brother Gunther's. And the Lord dealt with my heart in such a way. And that man right there was preaching, Brother Peacock. And I said, I don't know. I don't know what preaching is. And I don't know what it ain't. But it sure got a hold of my heart. And the Lord showed me right there that I need some Help. And that was one of the biggest blessings to me to realize that after 17 years of being an associate and being a nobody, by the way, sister, your water's spilling on the ground there. You might want to to know that. But after 17 years of what I thought was I had developed something and I had learned something, that I needed help. And the Lord gave me the right help. And a whole new group of friends. Man, a whole bunch of decisions to make and a whole bunch of changes to embark on, and the hard things to do, but I need the right cooperation. I'm thankful for that. Notice here in verse 14, real quickly, the right help, you know what it is? The right help's faithful. You see that? He's a worker. The right help's faithful. The right help, he's filled with something. And that verse, verse 14, he's filled with wisdom and understanding. And one of the most important things to me is there's plenty of faithful people, Amen. There's plenty of people. They probably even say they're filled with the Holy Spirit. But there in verse 15 or verse 14, that faithful person is refreshing. You say, how so? He's cunning. Isn't the Lord giving you someone refreshing to help you out. Is it all right to point? I tell you what, there's been times, so time after time in this room would be filled with testimonies. of That preacher right there refreshing me, asking me questions. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, someone does care how I'm doing. (laughs) What a blessing. But that's the right type of cooperation. I want you to see this. Uh, I want to take your Bible, go to 1 Kings chapter 7. We're done. 1 Kings chapter 7. In verse 40, an interesting thing. I'll just touch on it. 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 4. In this pathway of dedication, you've got the right type of instrumentation here. And you're going to be dedicated. You're going to need the right tools. And I noticed in verse 40, just real quick, you've been given uh, some tools, two tools for cleanup and one, one tool for working it up. I just saw that as interesting the Lord give you. In that passage, you got twice as many tools for personal cleansing as you do working it up, just in that verse. And that spoke to me. You're going to be dedicated. You're going to have to work on personal cleansing. We're, we have to work, preachers. That's, that's what we do. We preach. No one else is going to do it. And if they did, they probably wouldn't be right. But we got to do the work. But two tools for cleansing, one for work, And finally here in verse 47, that pathway to dedication, it needs the right evaluation. You say, how so? I look at verse 47. The Bible says, and Solomon left all the vessels unweighed. Then it says, neither was the weight of the brass found out. I got looking at a thing, and as the Holy Spirit said, "You see that some things are better left unweighed. Some things you do for Jesus Christ you can't count. Some things you can't make sense of down here. Some y'all get so frustrated. I'm my hands in the air. You trying to make sense of a situation that don't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And the things that you do, you can't count. That expect you to." Have you a church of 300 after however many years? You can't count the brass. You can't weigh all that stuff out. Why? The Lord's the one that does the counting. You just got to stay in the saddle. Stay in the saddle and just draw the reins up tight and say, All right, Lord, I've done the best I could. And if I did it again, I probably wouldn't do it any better. And just stop counting stuff. I didn't say stop putting forth the effort. You just got to get the right evaluation of your dedication to Jesus Christ. Stop counting the things and thinking that that, because you did that and you you were here over here and you did that, that's got to count for something. It's got to show you some kind of tangible result. I let the Lord weigh those things. Paul says in Philippians 3, 8, and I'm done, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things that do count them, but dung, it's the right evaluation. And I thought that was fitting after Brother Alano's excellent message about the right attitude of dedication and doing the hard things.